You know, uh, let me tell you about my Jesus. As I think about the words of that song and I think about what they spoke to me this morning, I, I can tell you I was connecting with a lot of those things that Jesus has done for us and all that he's done for me, and I suppose you were too. And so we want to bring you back to the basics in how to respond to Jesus, how to respond to his love. You know, what do we do with all that he's done for us? And so we're, we're calling this series uh, Next Steps uh, to help us get through some steps in our walk with Christ that really build growth and build depth into our lives. And so today I want to take you through the first step. And the first step is, you know, we, we receive Christ into our hearts, and then we take our first step, which really is to tell everybody about our Jesus, right? And we do that through baptism. Baptism is the way that God has given us, uh, that he talks about in his word, that we go public about our faith with Christ. I mean, you can talk about him with your friends as well, and that's awesome. But really, baptism is the first step that you take. So if you're here today and you've already been baptized, just listen in. Uh, because probably you're going to get the chance to tell somebody about why they should be baptized. Or you may get the chance to even help baptize somebody. We have lots of people that do that, help us here to baptize their friends. That's pretty awesome. But I remember that I took that step when I was 11 years old in Mosquito Lake. Isn't that a great place to get baptized, Mosquito Lake, up in Deming? And it was a great time. And for me as a kid, all I really wanted to do was to let Jesus know that I loved him. I knew that he loved me. And at 11, I knew that I was a sinner. And so I just wanted to really enter into that public identity with Jesus at, at an early age of 11. But whether you're 11 or whether you're 111 years old this morning, baptism is that moment of time where Jesus takes all your past, you know, all the hard stuff you've been through, uh, all the sin, all the ugly of your life, and he says, come on, let's, let's take that down under the water and let's not live in guilt or shame about that past anymore. Let me give you a fresh start. And then he brings you up out of the water and from that moment on you have new life in Christ. You have the opportunity to walk with him and let him meet you in every struggle, every trouble that there is. And I want to say today that that doesn't mean life is perfect. There's still trouble in life. There's still struggle in life. But what it means is you get to die to the past the shame, the guilt, the struggles that you've been through in your life, and you get a fresh start with Jesus. How many of you know that's good news? That's really, really good news, right? So that's the point of baptism. Baptism is really surrender. It's that moment where I relinquish my heart to Jesus, and I say, Jesus, I want you to have all of me. I want you to have all of me, and I'm going to give you all of me to the best of my ability. Baptism is really proclaiming that I've come from a life of death, into a, a life of life. So before we jump into the baptism this morning, uh, I want to just rehearse why it is we need to be baptized. What is it that Jesus really has done for us? We just sang about it. Let's read about it in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to turn there, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's set the stage for why is it that we need to be baptized. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, you obeyed the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Let me break that down a little bit this morning. 
Every one of us was born into what the Bible calls a sin nature or the sin condition. We were born that way. We each have that sin nature, uh, that, that desire to live in a selfish way. And this is why you can take a relatively good person, someone that you would say is a moral person, they don't hurt other people, and you still say about that person they still need Jesus. They still need to be baptized because why? They were born into a sin nature. And so it's not even that they're doing all these terrible things. But really the matter is that they have a sin nature like everybody else. And so they need a Savior to save them from that sin nature. And this scripture says that God has anger toward our sin nature. And that's because God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to destroy ourselves with our sin nature. And that's why Jesus saved us. Jesus saved us because he does not want us to destroy ourselves. He intervened in that life of death that we had. And I call this the biggest but in all Scripture. You know, I I love the big buts of Scripture. Anybody else? You know what I'm talking about? The big buts of Scripture? How many times can I say that before it feels awkward? Uh, Once was quite enough. Thank you, Pastor Kurt. But when it comes to Scripture, there are these big, I call them the big buts, because the Bible paints this, this dismal picture of what life was. And then it says, but, but God, right? And here it is, Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. What we need to get from this scripture is that before Christ came into our life, we were literally dead. Spiritually, we were dead. We had no hope. We had no future but God. But God came, showed up, intervened in our life. And how that happened was that God sent Jesus, and Jesus identified with us by coming, by living, by dying, and by rising. He identified with us by being cursed for our sin. Did you know that? Jesus was cursed for our sin. He carried the curse of sin upon himself. He never sinned himself, but he became sin, the Bible says, so that we could become righteous. Jesus became sin so that we could become righteous. And when he died on the cross, he died for all that sin that he became. Jesus saved us. Jesus saved us. You know, one of the things I love about baptism is that is that it means we have to come to him vulnerable, right? We have to come to him kind of exposed, and we have to, you know, come in front of everybody else and go under the water. And I love it because it's a picture of what Jesus did for us. You see, when Jesus came and hung on the cross, he hung naked. He hung vulnerable. He hung exposed. And and God turned away, so Jesus really hung helpless. And it's the same way that we have to come to him. We have to come to him vulnerable and naked and exposed and and feeling like the whole world knows our sin, right? And we come to him the way he came to us. Jesus identified with us knowing that we would come to him in that same way. In Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, God saved you by his grace. When? When you believed, right? When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Nobody's good enough to be saved. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So salvation is what Jesus did for us, 
And we receive his salvation simply by believing, by placing our faith in his grace, right? That's how you are saved. Very, very simple, but not easy. Very simple, but not easy. You place your trust in what Jesus did for you. Baptism now is the response. It's our response to what Jesus did for us. So number one in your notes today, I'm going to give you the five W's of, of, the, of baptism. Number one is, what is baptism? What is baptism? Baptism is really our obedient, thankful response. Jesus did this for me, and so I respond by doing this for him. It's something we do because of something he has done. We go under the water with Jesus. We identify with him in his death. And we come back up out of the water. We identify with him in his resurrection. And the Bible says we're now seated with him. We're identified with him. We identify with his power to make us new. Again, we're not perfect when we come out. We're still going to fall and fail. We're still going to struggle. But our identity now is in Christ, not in our old sin nature. Now, Peter, when he talked about baptism, he compared it to the great flood, the flood of Noah, right? Have you heard this? How eight people responded to God's call to get into the ark, and the ark represents Jesus, and he carried them to safety. And Peter said in 1 Peter 3.21, that water, the water of the flood, is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body. It's not about the physical, but as a response to God from a clean conscience, It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so again, baptism, in a perfect world, baptism would be your first response to God after receiving Christ, after being cleansed. You would respond by saying, I need to be baptized. I need to go under the water, okay? So again, let me make it clear this morning. Baptism does not save. Jesus, our risen Savior, is the one who saves us. Baptism is my public response to the fact that I've received the forgiveness of Jesus. I've received the clean conscience. It's like saying, Jesus, thank you for saving me and thank you for washing me clean. That's what baptism is, okay? That's what it represents. Now, baptism is not only a response, it's also a reenactment. It's a reenactment. It's not just, let me tell you about my Jesus, but it's let me show you about my Jesus. So baptism shows your world what Jesus did for you. Colossians 2, verse 12. It says, you were buried with Christ. That's going down when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life. That's when you come up because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So when you get baptized or you watch somebody get baptized, really they're reenacting what Jesus did for us. They're reenacting his burial And they're reenacting his resurrection. And at the same time, they're saying, I'm also going down, being buried with Christ. And I'm coming up uh, with a new identity, a new creation in Christ. It's, It's telling our story publicly. So why is baptism such a big deal? Why does the Bible make a big deal about it? Why does the Bible command it? Which it does. Number two, why get baptized? Okay, I'm going to give you three great reasons to consider. Uh, There are probably more, but these are the three I picked out. Okay, first... Because Jesus did. We get baptized simply because Jesus got baptized. And he said it was the right thing to do. In Matthew, you get to read about the story. Matthew 3, verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River to John. If you remember, John was his cousin, right? To be baptized by him. And John prevented him saying, or would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, and he said, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us 
to fulfill all righteousness. So when Jesus came to the Jordan River to his cousin John and said, I want you to baptize me, John goes, no, why, why would I do that? You are sinless. See, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance from sin. John recognized that Jesus was sinless. And so he's like, why would I baptize you? You should be baptizing me, right? And so Jesus said, no, no, you need to do this because my father wants it. And it will, it will fulfill all righteousness. It's the right thing to do. And Jesus said that because, again, his father wanted him to identify with us. So Jesus gets in line with all the other sinners, even though he had not sinned. He gets in line with all the other sinners. He identifies with us, the sinners that he is going to save, and he gets baptized because he knows he's going to die for us sinners, right? So first of all, because Jesus did. Secondly, because baptism identifies us as belonging to Jesus. That's where you say to your family and friends, I belong to Jesus. Romans 6, 4 through 8. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. In other words, so that sin might not control us. We may still be tempted to sin, but we are not compelled to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. So what does baptism do for us? Baptism takes us and places our identity squarely in Jesus Christ. So we identify with him so that our, our righteousness comes from him, not from how well we do or don't live. Does that make sense? So the fact that we are righteous doesn't come from how well we live, but it comes from him and what he's done for us. And we can live free from guilt and shame if we place our identity in Christ. We no longer identify with, with sin as being our nature, but we identify as being a new creation in Jesus Christ. Uh, that old life is washed away, right? Now we identify with Christ and new life in him. Now the third thing that we get through baptism is we get to be obedient. There's a word everybody loves, right? We get to be obedient. And I would say if, if we didn't have any other reason, this would be a great reason to get baptized is because Jesus said to. Matthew 28:18. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is called the Great Commission. Jesus gave this Great Commission that we as his disciples are to go and make disciples. We are to go to disciple people, to baptize them, to teach them all that Jesus taught us. And guess what? Conversely, we also are to be baptized, we are to be discipled, and we are to learn all that Jesus has come to teach us. And so this is Jesus' mandate to his people, and obedience is saying yes to Jesus and saying yes to his word and what he has called us to do. And baptism is one of the three things he told us to do, right? And so Jesus, since Jesus said it and Jesus said to do it, then just do it, right? Like Nike, just do it. And that brings us to the who this morning. Number three in your notes today. Here's the third W. 
Who needs to be baptized? Who needs to be baptized? And the answer to this question is every person that accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior needs to be baptized. Uh, We've had a lot of baptisms here at North County over the last several years, and and last year was an awesome year. Lots of people came forward and said, you know what, I want to identify with Christ. So here's a short video of just a few of those people. It's really inspiring and encouraging. This is the time to rededicate myself and take that path that I have missed all these years. It's time for me to reveal the personal relationship that I have with God to everyone. I want to make sure everyone knows that I stand with him and he is for us. Not my life. Everything's for God. I'll glory to God. And why today do you want to get baptized? Because I love Jesus. Isn't that great? How encouraging. Jesus continues to work in the hearts of people. And one of the things I noticed as I watched that, and you may have noticed that as well, is that some of the people in the video have been in church a long time. Right? They've been in church a year or maybe some years. And finally, they got baptized. And As a pastor, often what I find as I talk to people before they get baptized, I find that they come to a place in life where they realize they've been a Christian, they've been a follower of Christ, but they come to the place where they realize, I want to surrender. I want to surrender my whole heart. I want Jesus to really have his way in my life. I want to relinquish control of my life. Or many many people in other cases, they say, you know what, I had a stretch of, of life, maybe five years or ten years, that I really wasn't close to God, and I really made some decisions and did some things that were hurtful to me, maybe hurtful to others, and I want to repent, and I want to repent, and I want a, a fresh new start. And oftentimes, those people might come and say, I want to be baptized. And I believe that's just awesome stories. You know, my wife's story is like that as well, and I asked her if I could share this with you this morning. Um, my wife's story is this. She, she grew up here in Linden, and she was sprinkled as a baby uh, in Denver, actually. And she grew up in a Christian home, a great home, made profession of her faith. But she hadn't really ever relinquished her life. She hadn't really ever given her heart to Jesus Christ. She knew about him, she knew of him, but hadn't really ever given her whole self to him. You understand what that means? And so she went through some tough teenage years. She struggled deeply with bulimia. She had this severe eating disorder. And we met when she was about 18 and started to date. And we got involved in this little church in Burlington, a little startup church. And my wife really in those, in that year really relinquished her heart. Uh, the Holy Spirit moved upon her, touched her, you know, convinced her, talked to her about giving her heart fully to Christ. And she did. She gave her heart fully to Christ, and she got baptized in a swimming pool uh, on South Burlington Boulevard, right next to the pastor's house, and she got dunked right there. And, you know, I have to say it was, it was a difficult adjustment for her parents, although they did well with it and they understood it. You know, she had been sprinkled. So they're like, well, we baptized you. Why, why do you have to be baptized again? And she said, well, Mom and Dad, it's because this time I want to. This time it's my heart. This time it's, it's me making the decision, making the choice to relinquish my heart, to relinquish, relinquish my life to Jesus Christ. 
And I have to tell you, because I married her that year, I have to tell you to see the changes that happened in her life, to see the growth that came into her life. I mean, in those next few years, uh, she applied herself to discipleship. Uh, God renewed her mind. The Holy Spirit worked in her heart, and she became healthy again. She, she didn't give in to bulimia again. She moved through a healing process. And it was just important that she would relinquish her whole heart to Jesus Christ. And I believe that the big changes in her heart began when she got baptized. Now, those are stories about kind of how we do things here in the West. Sometimes it's years before we get baptized. But in the early church, it wasn't that way. In the early church, you got saved and people said, where's the water? Where's the water? Where can I get baptized? Where can I get dunked, right? In fact, Peter, the very first gospel message that he preached... He preached to some of the very people that had said, we want to see Jesus crucified. And now, now Peter's preaching to these very same people in the streets, and they receive the word of God from Peter, and they're convicted in their hearts, and they say, what should we do? Now that we understand how wrong we were, now that we understand we crucified the Son of God, and you've convinced us of this with your preaching, now what should we do? And in Acts 2.38, you have this beautiful process that Peter gives them and gives us. He says, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then if you jump just two verses ahead in verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said, in other words, they they believed in Christ, then they were baptized and they were added to the church that day, about 3,000 people in all. And I've always kind of wondered, where did they find water for 3,000 people, right? Where did they dunk all these people? Did they go to the river? Did they go to the ocean? Where did they go? Uh, that's one of the questions I'm going to ask Peter when I get up there. So that brings us to the next, the next W this morning. Then where? Where is the right place to get baptized? Where did these 3,000 people get baptized? Is, is there a certain place that's holier than others that I should get baptized? Is there a sacred place I should get baptized? Is, is the water in the dunk tank more holy than the water in the Nooksack River? Right? Probably less holy, actually. And, and so where should I get baptized? Well, I've bap- baptized people a lot of different places. And here's a young woman that I baptized last year in Semiamu. Her name's Kirsten. And she said, Pastor Kurt, I want to get baptized, but I'm scared to death of walking in front of all those people. Will you come to my favorite place and baptize me in front of my family and friends? And I said, sure, sure, I'll do that. I'd love to do that. So I baptized Kirsten in Semiamu. I've baptized people in the Nooksack. Uh, the Jordan River, I've gotten to baptize people there. I've baptized people in the Skagit River. In fact, about 30 years ago, I was baptizing this guy in the Skagit River, and it was February, and it was colder than bejeebers, you know, super cold, and the water was high and brown like the Skagit gets. And so I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trick this thing. I'm going to beat this thing. And so I, I put on some chest waders. Well, I put on the old school ones that are rubber, and then I made the mistake of baptizing him against the current. And so I go down against the current and whoosh, right down my... And seriously, I'm getting taken down to Mount Vernon. And before I know it, I thought, I'm going to lose my life over this, you know? So word to the wise, just wear shorts. Just wear shorts, shorts and flip-flops, and get baptized in the summer. Nah, it's the winter. You know... Um, I've baptized people in swimming pools. I've baptized people in kiddie pools. One time, a, a couple of years ago, I baptized a man who was dying of cancer, and, and I got the call, and he was late, late in life, just a few hours left to live, and he wanted to be baptized. And he couldn't get up. He couldn't walk. 
And so I asked his wife for a glass, and I went to the tap, and I filled it up with water, and I came back to his bedside, and I sprinkled him. And that's the only time. One other time I sprinkled somebody. It was a baby uh, as well um, because they were in the hospital in emergency care, and the parents wanted me to do that. But it was for them, right, not for the baby. And I just realized, you know, that it doesn't matter where you get baptized. And so you might be here today and you might say, man, I'd love to get baptized, but I I cannot walk in front of all those people at church. I can't do it. I understand, you know, I have to do this every week. And so I get that. And if that's you, I just want to say to you, I'll baptize you wherever you want to get baptized. I'll come meet you somewhere. Here's my condition, though. My condition is that you have some family and friends there so that you have some witnesses to watch you and to hear your public confession of being baptized. So the answer to the question is, wherever there's water, that's where you get baptized. And this is actually in a story in the Bible because, you know, it's not the water that's holy. You know, some churches, maybe you were raised in a church that had holy special water for baptism. There's not any water that's holier than other water, okay? What God is doing in your heart, that is what is holy. That is what is sacred. What God is is calling you into and calling you from, that is what is holy and that is what is sacred. So here's the story in Acts chapter 8, verse 34. Philip, who they also called the evangelist, that was a nickname they gave him, He was walking down this desert road one day, and this carriage happened by. And this carriage uh, had this Ethiopian eunuch in it. I'm not sure if that's politically correct to say a eunuch anymore, but it did. And so the Holy Spirit told Philip to approach this guy. So Philip did. And this eunuch was reading from the scrolls, and he was reading the book of Isaiah. And he was actually reading the part that prophesies about Jesus Christ coming. And so, um, you know... Philip asked the guy, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy said to Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself? Was Isaiah talking about himself? Or was he talking about somebody else? He was really asking, you know, you know, about Jesus. And so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus, which had just happened, you know, in the past year. So Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And Philip's like, well, you can. And so they got out of the carriage. They went over the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came out of the water, here's the cool part of this story. The Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, actually time-traveled him to somewhere else and put him somewhere else where he wanted him to go. And it says the eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Now, if you go to India, if you go to India, you will find people getting baptized out in the middle of nowhere. And the reason for this is because it's not safe to get baptized anywhere around people. You can see that we blocked out the faces of these people because this is going live and this can be streamed and this can be picked up in India. And it's actually dangerous for these guys to get baptized. And so they find a a rice paddy or they find a pond or they find some sort of secluded place. And I've actually gotten to be at a couple of these baptisms. Pretty powerful to see people identify with Christ, even though they know this decision could get them thrown in jail. And they know that if they're uh, village people, if other people hear about it uh, that aren't Christians, they know that they could actually lose their lives. I actually witnessed a man on video getting beaten to death in the streets of India Uh, for being a Christian. I saw him die before my very eyes. It was horrible to watch, but I'm glad I did 
because I needed to see that. I needed to know how, how dangerous it is and how sacred it is when somebody like this decides I'm going to get baptized. So that's what these people do to get baptized. So wherever there's water, wherever there's water, that's where you get baptized. Number five, last point today. Here's the question. When am I ready? When should I get baptized? When is the right time for me? And I want to say to you right away, right away, the time is now. If you've waited, if you said, you know what, I just don't feel ready. I'm I'm not good enough. Then I want you to know today it's not about you being good enough. It's about Jesus being good enough for you. And so what Jesus wants is he wants you to relinquish your heart to him. Jesus wants you to give your whole self to him. Jesus, what Jesus wants is he wants you to be all in. And baptism is one way that you can say that to Jesus. I want to be all in. Again, it doesn't mean life will go perfectly. It doesn't mean you'll never be tempted. It doesn't mean maybe you'll never fall or fail again. But, but the, you don't have to worry about that. What it means is Jesus wants a clean break from your past. And he wants a clean path forward for you to walk with him in newness of life. And that's what baptism is all about. Okay? Does that make sense? So, you can sign up today. You can sign up today to be baptized. You can be all in uh, in two weekends, not next weekend, because we're going to be at the fair. (laughs) And we don't want, you know, we don't want the room to be empty while I'm preaching at the fair. So we're... uh, so we're taking a week, but then on the 22nd, uh, we hope that you'll sign up with, between now and then, and, and we'll be able to baptize you if you've not done that before, okay? So we want to do that with you. So I'm going to wrap up. I just want to pray for you this morning. I had another scripture, but just uh, get up and be baptized, right? Get up and be baptized. So this morning, I'm aware that there could be somebody in the room that says, you know, I've, I'm hearing this message about baptism, but I need to go back to the first the first thing you talked about today, and that is being saved. That is having my sins forgiven. That is inviting Jesus to come into my heart. And if you're online this morning, maybe that's you. Maybe you're watching from your bedroom or your living room, and and you're saying, man, I've never taken that step. And here's what I want to say to you today. As a man who has followed Christ uh, since I was about six years old, I have to tell you today that there's no downside to following Jesus. There's no downside. He loves us. He's for us. We're never alone because he's in our life. He forgives us daily. He cleanses us. He gives us a relationship, a friendship with the Father. And then one day when this life is over, we can rest assured we're going to be home with him. And so there's no downside to following Jesus. We need him in our life. So if that's you in the room this morning, what I'm going to invite you to do is we all bow our heads I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to simply place your trust in Jesus and what he's done for you, then just pray this prayer with me. If you're online, same thing. In your room, in your living room, in your kitchen, out by a campsite, bow your head today and and receive Jesus into your heart. Let's bow our heads together. Jesus, today as we come, we're made aware again by your word that We were born into sin. It wasn't even a decision that we made. It's just the way it is. And we have this sin nature, and and we know that we all need forgiveness and cleansing by your blood. And so, Jesus, today, I take a moment, and I say, okay, I've heard about this, Lord, and I want to receive 
your forgiveness for myself. So I ask you now, Jesus, in this moment, that you would forgive my sin, that you would cleanse my life, that you would release me from the guilt and shame that I've been feeling for a very long time, and that you would put me into right relationship with my Father, my Heavenly Father, the one who made me. And Lord Jesus, I choose today to respond to your grace and trust you with my life. And I thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up together? There's one more great song that talks about what happens and what condition we're in now that we've received Christ. Let's close with this great proclamation of our faith today, and then I'll come and and release you.